0: Chapter Eight of the Mesmerist Victim by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. THE LITTLE TRIANON. When Louis the fourteenth built Versailles, and perceived the discomfort of grandeur, he granted it was the sojourning place for a demigod, but no home for a man, so he had the Trianon constructed to be able to draw a free breath at leisure moments but the sword of Achilles, if it tired him, was bound to be of insupportable weight to a myrmidon. Trianon was so much too pompous for the fifteenth Louis that he had the little Trianon built. It was a house looking with its large eyes of windows over a park and woods, with the wing of the servants' lodges and stables on the left, where the windows were barred and the kitchens hidden by trellises of vines and creepers. A path over a wooden bridge led to the Grand Trianon through a kitchen garden. The king brought Prime Minister Choiseul into this garden to show him the improvements introduced to make the place fit for his grandson the Dauphin, and the Dauphiness. Duc Choiseul admired everything and passed his comments with a courtier's sagacity. He let the monarch say the place would become more pleasant daily, and he added that it would be a family retreat for the sovereign. "'The Dauphiness is still a little uncouth, like all young German girls,' said Louis. "'She speaks French nicely, but with an Austrian accent jarring on our ears. Here she will speak among friends, and it will not matter.' "'She will perfect herself,' said the Duke. "'I have remarked that the lady is highly accomplished, and accomplishes anything she undertakes.' On the lawn they found the dauphin taking the sun with a sextant. Louis-Auguste, duke of Berry, was a meek-eyed, rosy-complexioned man of seventeen, with a clumsy walk. He had a more prominent bourbon nose than any before him, without its being a caricature. In his nimble fingers and able arms alone he showed the spirit of his race, so to express it. "'Louis,' said the king loudly, to be overheard by his grandson, "'is a learned man, and—' He is wrong to rack his brain with science, for his wife will lose by it. "'Oh, no,' corrected a feminine voice as the Dauphiness stepped out from the shrubbery, where she was chatting with a man loaded with plans, compass, pencil, and notebook. "'Sire, this is my architect, Meek,' she said. "'Have you caught the family complaint of building?' i am going to turn this sprawling garden into a natural one really why i thought that trees and grass and running water are natural enough sire you have to walk along straight paths between shaped boxwood trees hewn at an angle of forty-five to quote the dauphin and ponds agreeing with the paths and star centers and terraces i am going to have arbors rockeries grottoes cottages hills gorges meadows for dutch dolls to stand up in queried the king alas sire for kings and princes like ourselves she replied not seeing him color up and that she had spoken a cutting truth i hope you will not lodge your servants in your woods and on your rivers like red indians in the natural life which rousseau praises if you do only the encyclopedists will eulogize you sire they would be too cold in huts so i shall keep the outbuildings for them as they are she pointed to the windows of a corridor over which were the servants sleeping rooms and under which were the kitchens what do i see there asked the king, shielding his eyes with his hand, for he had short sight. "'A woman, your majesty,' said Choiseul. "'A young lady who is my reading-woman,' said the princess. "'It is Mademoiselle de Tavernay," went on Choiseul. "'What, are you attaching the tavernais to your house?' "'Only the girl.' "'Very good.' said the king without taking his eyes off the barred window out of which innocently gazed andrea with no idea she was watched how pale she is remarked the prime minister she was nearly killed in the dreadful accident of the thirtieth of may my lord for which we would have punished somebody severely said louis but chancellor Segur proved it was the work of fate "'Only that fellow Bignon, provost of the merchants, was dismissed, and poor girl, he deserved it.' "'Has she recovered?' asked Choiseur quickly. "'Yes, thank heaven.' "'She goes away,' said the king. "'She recognized your majesty and fled. She is timid.' "'A cheerless dwelling for a girl.' oh no not so bad let us have a look around inside choiseul your majesty uh, Council of parliament at versailles at half-past two well go and give those lawyers a shaking and the sovereign delighted to look at buildings followed the dauphiness who was delighted also to show her house they passed mademoiselle de taverney under the eaves of the little kitchen-yard this is my reader's room remarked the dauphiness i will show you it as a sample of how my ladies will fare it was a suite of anteroom and two parlors the furniture was placed books a harpsichord and particularly a bunch of flowers in a japanese vase attracted the king's attention what nice flowers how can you talk of changing your garden who the mischief supplies your ladies with such beauties do they save any for the mistress?" "It is very choice." "Who is the gardener here, so sweet upon Mademoiselle de Taverney?" "I do not know. Doctor Jussieu found me somebody." The king looked round with a curious eye and elsewhere before departing. The Dauphine was still taking the sun. End of chapter 8 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.